Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for August 10th, 2017. On today's episode, a dumpster truck full of Star Wars Last Jedi information has been dumped upon the world, and we will try to scavenge through the pile. We'll also be taking a look at some Hellboy reboot news, but for the most part, it's going to be Star Wars. And in the mailbag, we'll also be talking about Star Wars, because today is, today is Star Wars Day. We'll be talking about the Star Wars standalone movies and what we hope for the future of those films. With me on the podcast today is Ben Pearson. Hey, how's it going? Brad Oman. Hello. And Jacob Paul. Hi, everybody. Let's jump into the water cooler first uh, and see what everybody's been up to. Uh, recently, I have been in practicing and training for an audition that I am going to be doing for the Magic Castle. The Magic Castle is this uh, esteemed private club. It's the Academy of Magical Arts, and it's in Los Angeles, and they have like this location called the Magic Castle where magic shows are going on daily, every night. It's awesome. But you have to be a member and be invited by a member to go there. And I've been there. I've been lucky to go there, you know, a dozen times now. And I, I want to become a member. I'm a an amateur magician, I would like to say. You know, I, I do tricks for friends and family, but, I you know, I don't perform on stage. So uh, to to get into the magic castle i actually have to you know do a 10 minute routine in addition to an extensive interview with uh you know some of the, their uh membership committee which is you know some really prestigious old magicians uh so it, it, it's, it's nerve-wracking i bought a new suit um trying to uh establish a new routine it's actually kind of funny they give you this list this two-page list of things you can and can't do. Like, you can't do magic with fire. It's not allowed. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, What's uh, the point? But I have to do magic that shows that I have abilities in sleight of hand, which is not something I normally do. I mean, I, I can do sleight of hand, but I do a lot of tricks that aren't, you know, uh, that have some self-working elements to them. Um, so I, I'm, I'm trying to practice those in, in anticipation for this audition because... Uh, you know, I've never actually 
I mean, I guess when I was a kid, I did some uh, talent show stuff, but this is going to be kind of uh, nerve-wracking for me. So when is the audition? It's in about a week and a half, so I I have some time. Um, But, yeah, I'm working on it, and, uh, you know, I put my order into Penguin Magic to to, to get some uh, magic props and stuff that I, I will need. Uh, not that I don't have enough already, but uh, yes. Anyways, enough of the magic. Let's go to the other kind of magic, the fantasy magic. Jacob, what have you been up to? Well, I bet the listeners right now are thinking, huh, no one's going to out-nerd Peter on this podcast, and I'm going to prove them wrong. Because I just bought a vintage-looking suitcase to use as a con- carrying container for all of my RPG supplies for my role-playing tabletop games. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that sounds really silly, but I think people have this misconception of RPG games being a bunch of people sitting around rolling dice looking at numbers, when the real joy of it, for me at least, and there are people out there who enjoy making numbers get bigger, is creating an immersion and a story between you and your players, and having that group conversation that generates genuine cinematic or emotional moments. And so my whole thing is, if I can have people sit down, pull up this vintage-looking suitcase, lay it down the table, open it up, and pull out props related to the game we're playing, pull out bags of dice coordinated by style, pull out little bowls and laminated cards with markers for them to be able to use instead of having to tear up paper. If I can, from the start, say, hey, I've got you, we're all set. Here's a thematically interesting looking collection of things that gets you in the mood. People will loosen up. And be- ben, you, you have definitely been doing something much cooler than Jacob or I. Well, I don't know about that. Uh, I mean, you guys are actually like using your hands to really do stuff. I'm just sitting on the couch watching a TV show. I've recently uh, caught up with Netflix's What Hot American Summer 10 years later. Um, I loved First Day of Camp, which was the... I guess it's it's weird. It's like the first prequel they did, and then this is technically a sequel to the original movie. But anyway, I thought um, First Day of Camp was like a masterpiece. It enhanced and brought out everything that I loved about the original and sort of improved on the mythology in really interesting and, and fun ways. Uh, I was really looking forward to 10 years later, and ultimately after I finished the whole thing, I was a little disappointed by it. Um, it wasn't quite as as just genuinely funny all the way through Hmm. uh, as I was sort of hoping it would be. And some of the character arcs in particular, Paul Rudd's character um, who was one of my favorites in both the movie and the previous series uh, just sort of sputtered to an end. And I, I wasn't crazy about how the whole thing came together. There's also the very final moments, which I won't spoil um, do a lot to undercut my, enjoyment of the entire wet hot franchise and i'm not quite sure why they made that decision uh those who have seen the show will probably know what i'm talking about it's like the final image of the whole show um but i think david wayne uh one of the creators has said that they are interested in doing more so maybe they'll i don't know come back and somehow undercut the undercut and then like bring me back in in some way but uh but yeah i just wanted to sort of touch on that i know i'm i'm generally like pretty positive about stuff that I watch on here, but uh, occasionally I wanted to uh, throw out something that I wasn't crazy about just to, you know, spice things up a little bit. <laughs> Brad, you have finally gotten hold of something that you've been trying to get a hold of for quite some time. What is that? Yes. 
the person who murdered my parents. No. (laughs) 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 Oh, no. Um, So for the longest time, I have wanted the Home Alone Mondo vinyl. And not just uh, the regular version, but specifically the cheese pizza version. It was sold sometime a while back. I don't remember specifically when it came out. Hmm. So clearly, Ben is the only normal person here watching Netflix, (laughs) while the rest (laughs) of us are collecting and doing weird things. I got to work on my collecting game. We'll see. (laughs) I bought a laminator for this project. I bought a laminator, and it is the best thing, guys. I'm laminating things every day, all day, while I'm just watching movies. It's the best. I recommend it, okay? I have a laminator. I I, I approve. Let's move on to the news. Before we get into the Star Wars dumpster dive of information, we have two bits of non-Star Wars news to get into. While we were here on the podcast recording yesterday, talking about uh, all the news and that Disney streaming service news broke. Another story broke while we were on the, on the line, so we weren't able to get it. Jacob, thankfully, was on the site and wrote it up for SlashFilm.com, and that is Hellboy Reboot has uh, done a bit of casting. Jacob, what do we know about this? We know that uh, Mila Jovovich of the Resident Evil franchise has switched sides. She will no longer be shooting monsters. She will be playing one in the new Hellboy movie. Which is no longer called Hellboy Rise of the Blood Queen, by the way. It's now just Hellboy for now. We'll see if they add another subtitle to make sure people know it had no relation to the previous movies. But what's interesting is that there is no character called specifically the Blood Queen in Mike Mignola's Hellboy series, which has dozens and dozens of villains. However, there is a character uh, who is the Queen of Blood, uh, who has many other names, like uh, Nimu, among others who is a powerful witch who pops up a few times throughout the series and plays very heavily into the final stretch of Hellboy comics. They just ended last year. So it, it's interesting that they're introducing this character who in many ways plays into Hellboy, the, the comic versions end game. And that it cast Mil- Miljovic, who I quite like. I mean, I feel like she's very good at scowling. She's very good at looking very serious while she murders monsters. And I feel like she may have the most, most range of actresses out there, but I feel like she's made appearing in maybe slightly budget, budget, budget conscious yeah. <laughs> genre movies and art forms. I think she's very good at it. And I like to see what she's going to do here. I feel like she's one of those actresses that I like a lot, but I don't think I like any of her work. <laughs> or it, <laughs> Does that make sense? I'm not sure if that makes sense, but let's, oh, it does. Let, let's move on. Uh, on Wednesday morning, Entertainment Weekly surprised everyone by announcing that they have a Star Wars Last Jedi uh, cover story and basically unleashed a series of articles that sent the Slash Film team scrambling <laughs> to cover. Uh, and uh, there's going to be more news tomorrow. But we have rounded up a lot of the news on Slash Film, or a lot of the bits that you need to know. There's a lot of fluff in there or whatever. We, 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 we got, a, got through all the fluff and kind of got to the main details uh, Brad, you wrote up a story on the photos that were revealed. Uh, some of the photos were telling, some of them not so much. What What are the more interesting photos that we need to know about? One of the more interesting things that we didn't break out into an individual story that will be coming later on this podcast is a cool new photo of Finn. Um, as we saw in the beginning of The Force Awakens, uh, the reason that Finn rescued Poe Dameron from being held captive inside the, the First Order Star Destroyer by Kylo Ren 
was because he needed a pilot in order to get off the Star Destroyer because he had no idea how to fly anything, apparently. Uh, so he rescued Poe Dameron, being the best fighter pilot in the galaxy. They escaped, and our story began. Um, but a photo of Reeves Light at Entertainment Weekly shows that Finn is inside of a ship and flying it. So apparently he doesn't need a pilot anymore. And what's cool is that he's in one of the ships that we saw in the teaser trailer for The Last Jedi. One of those ships that's seen flying across the surface of the new planet called Crate, which has red soil underneath the desert-like surface that gets brushed up while those uh, vehicles are flying across the ground. So Finn will be a part of whatever attack is happening on that planet. As we saw in the trailer, there are uh, First Order walkers in the distance. We're not sure what the First Order is doing there uh, or what the Resistance is doing there other than fighting the First Order uh, or why it's happening at this location or anything like that. But it's cool to see that Finn is stepping up and, you know, taking on his new role as uh, a big deal in the resistance uh, to heart. Kelly Marie Tran joins this cast as a newcomer. Uh, she, she really hasn't done that much. There's not that much on her resume. Uh, she plays Ro- Rose Tico, as you mentioned, in this film. Jacob, you wrote an article on SlashFilm.com giving us a bit of more information on her role in this film. What do we know? Now, what's really fun about her and what I really like is that she is not a soldier, she's not a pilot, she's not a space wizard, she's not a general, she's a mechanic, which is something that we learned back uh, during Star Wars Celebration. But what we learned from this new article is that she's a mechanic who has heard the stories of the female Jedi who fought Kylo Ren and her brave companion who faced down the First Order. So her whole dynamic with Finn, who still wants to get as far away from the fighting as he can is that he's a hero and that he is this brave soldier who's somebody to admire, who's a Poe Dameron type, who who's even like her sister Paige, who is a resistance gunner who we don't know much about, but will presumably play a role as well. And from quotes given by both Tran and John Boyega, who plays Finn, we've learned that the dynamic between the two is going to be, she thinks he's a hero. He's not the hero. She thinks he is. Uh, but maybe she believing in him will force him to step up. And so, and what I like about this is it's not just the whole Finn has to rise to the occasion and be a hero, which we all knew was coming. What I like is that we have the two working stiffs of the Star Wars universe right now. We have a guy who's a former trooper, a guy who's a former ground soldier. We have a mechanic, not not even somebody who looks like, these two don't look like traditional Star Wars characters. They're not like the, um, white, white, stick thin, good, like traditionally good looking characters we've seen cast in these movies forever. They're just the guys who, who are working behind and beyond all of our traditional heroes, and they're being tasked to save the day. And I really like that. I really like that we're going to see characters who are just the backbone of these operations, not just the faces. I like that a lot. No, I do too. Uh, another article on on the site is something I wrote about Luke Skywalker. Basically, Mark Hamill gave a quote. Well, Daisy Ridley was saying something in an interview that describing Ray as one girl who, quote, who Luke doesn't know. Yet in a separate interview, Mark Hamill responded to that comment saying, quote, but does he not know her? Question mark. Basically implying that, that Luke Skywalker might know Disney Ridley's character Ray, uh, 
I mean, obviously there's a, a mystery behind where she has come from, who her parents are, and why they left her on Jakku. I never expected them to answer that question in The Last Jedi, but Entertainment Weekly seems to believe that we will get some answers in that in that uh, movie, even though uh, none of these stars are actually saying that much. Uh, but the more interesting thing that I found in, in the story is that Mark Hamill notes that Luke made, quote, a huge mistake in thinking his nephew was the chosen one. I think this is pretty big because, as you know, the Star Wars saga is predicated around the concept of a chosen one, who the prophecy who they say will bring balance to the Force. You know, first Yoda and Obi-Wan believed Anakin Skywalker was the chosen one, and then later I believe they think that his son, Luke, was would fit the bill. And they never said that on screen. Uh, and I think us, as an audience, we thought in Return of the Jedi that Luke was the chosen one, you know, at the end of the six-film saga, bringing balance to the Force, defeating the Empire. But as we saw, you know, with Force Awakens, that, you know, evil was not vanquished. And um, But what's interesting here is that Luke, before the rise of the First Order, still believed that Kylo Ren, Ben Solo, was the chosen one. And that, to me, is interesting because that means they... He believes he wasn't the chosen one. He believes that, you know, balance hasn't been brought to the force. And this is before the rise of the First Order. And I'm wondering why he thought, you know, his sister Leia Organa and Han Solo's kid was the chosen one. Uh, I think there's a lot to be read into that, and I hope they explore that in the movie. Not that I want them to belabor the uh, whole Chosen One arc of the Star Wars saga. I I kind of do not like it, but I think they need to put uh, a conclusion to that whole concept. Um, Hamill also continues, quote, He invested everything he had in Kylo, much like Obi-Wan did with my character, and he is betrayed with tragic consequences. Luke feels responsible for that. That's the primary obstacle he has to rejoining the world and his place in the Jedi here, uh, Jedi here hierarchy. You know, it's the guilt, that feeling that it's his fault and he didn't detect the darkness in him until it was too late. So we get some idea of why Luke Skywalker has put himself in exile Um it's also a question, you know, is, is there more guilt there? Is Could Luke Skywalker be feeling guilt about, you know, dropping someone on Jakku? We don't know. Uh, that that we'll have to find out at the end of the year when, when Last Jedi hits theaters. Um, yes, I, 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 George Lucas based a lot of the Star Wars movies off of Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey. I think we're going to see a lot of the refusals to call... Uh, in in the Luke storyline here, and Luke Skywalker has exiled himself on a planet called Octu, which in my mind, it, it seems like a joke that J.J. Abrams and Lawrence Kasdan wrote in because that's basically him in Act Two of this trilogy. Uh, but also on Octu, are some creatures that have now been revealed. Uh, ben, what do we know about these creatures? Because there, there's a couple different kinds of creatures, right? Yes, yeah. So uh, porgs are the first ones, and they're basically the, those cute little penguin-looking creatures that uh, we've actually seen uh, previously in the, I think, the D23 sizzle reel, I think, might have been our first um, official look at them. Um, but they have these huge eyes, and they're, 
you know, basically designed to sell toys, I think. But these are uh, they're, ferocious they're, they're little the creatures Ewoks of this film. I'm, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. And they, uh, you know, they're little little furry things. And I think um, Ryan Johnson said that they were essentially inspired by the puffins that lived on uh, Skellig Michael, which is the Irish island that serves as the real location for Octu. Um so he decided instead of having Luke be, you know, this isolated figure out there, he would have some company, but just in the form of alien creatures instead of other humans or, or humanoid aliens, I guess. Um, so in addition to the Porgs, we also have uh, a new look at uh, a new alien species that are referred to as the caretakers. And they are basically um, the nuns of the Jedi Temple. They're uh johnson describes them as sort of fish bird type aliens who live on the island they've been there for thousands of years and they essentially keep up the structures on the island uh they're all female and he wanted them to feel like a remote sort of nunnery so um yeah they have a a spartan existence and they are sort of they tolerate luke's presence there but while the porgs i believe have sort of a special bond with him that they've developed over the the years that he's been there the um the caretakers are not really buddy buddy with him. They're sort of just like, okay, you're here, whatever. We we would rather you not be here, but I guess we'll tolerate your presence. Um, so yeah, that's what we know. And we also know uh, from previous information that there's also a, a nine foot tall sea creature that lives on that same planet. We still aren't entirely certain how big of a role that character will have. You know, if it's just going to be seen in the background in a couple shots, or if it's actually going to, you know, maybe Daisy Ridley has to fight that that beast or something like that you know during her training um all of that is still sort of up in the air at this point but yeah that's what we know so far yeah i, I kind of wonder if the porgs are going to have a big role in this they've been used in a lot of the uh marketing that we've seen leaked so far but that might just be because they're cute and you can market mm-hmm. them uh but w- w- we that is to be seen we've seen some leaked photos of the guard the like almost imperial guard looking uh uh, members that are guarding Snoke, uh, but now we finally get our first official look at them. Jacob, what did we learn? Oh, we didn't learn much that we didn't already see in the leaked images. They have the color scheme of the Imperial Guards in the original trilogy. They are red. They are armed with long staffs as weapons. But whereas the Emperor Emperor Palpatine's original guards were very ornamental, they had long flowing robes look like they were there they were dressed for a special occasion these guys are dressed for combat this is very samurai inspired design and which makes sense because of the early influences for star wars that were driven from many of akira kurosawa's films so it's definitely a nod in that direction by ryan johnson and costume designer michael kaplan but yeah like look at the footer right now which you can see on slashfilm.com and he's got a picture a fetal samurai meets maybe a little bit of Tron painted bright red, and that's what they look like. The, and they're called the Praetorian Guards, which is a really cool Star, Star Warsy name, if you ask me. Yeah. Uh, the other big news, actually, for me, the bigger news is that Ryan Johnson shot down one of the most popular rumors that's been floating around for a long time, which is that, once again, Andy Serkis's Snoke will be a motion capture CGI creation. Apparently, the rumor that stemmed that said that he would be a big puppet, live-action puppet on set this time, came from an actual maquette that was built for lighting purposes, so it can sit in place, so they can 
get the scene ready and get the camera and lights in the right position, give away the right eye lines, and, then it'll and, be removed. And I was going to say, the images of that puppet have leaked online. You could probably find them somewhere, not on Slash Film, because we don't we don't post that stuff. But uh, it looked fantastic, and I, re- I actually bought that that was a real live, you know, Snoke puppet. But yes, it makes sense that it's just for lighting purposes. Uh, Peter, let me in- interject something real quick. This is one of the, the f- I think this is actually the only time in my life I've ever been able to show off knowledge from my minor in college, which was classics, like Greek and Roman studies. So uh, just to, to piggyback off what Jacob was saying earlier, the Praetorian Guard is actually uh, something that existed in ancient Rome. They were the elite soldiers that protected the emperor back in uh, ancient Roman times. So that's like Star Wars porting that over into a galaxy far, far away. But that concept is, you know, is very much a real thing that existed in our world. That... Check out the big brain on Ben. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. By the way, I, I, one of the other things with the Praetorian Guards that I wanted to call attention to is that they have staffs. And in the sizzle reel, there was a quick shot of Daisy Ridley doing choreography stunt work with her lightsaber in hand. And there were three people attacking her with staffs. So I feel like at some point, at least Ray is going to be fighting these Praetorian guards and their staffs, much like that uh, baton that the stormtrooper used uh, during the battle um, in The Force Awakens near Maz Kanata's castle will likely be able to go uh, hand-to-hand with, or face-to-face with lightsabers. Hmm. Well, that is a lot of information. Is there anything that we missed that we should talk about here on the podcast? Star Wars is pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can read all this coverage on SlashFilm.com. There's going to be more tomorrow, so come on back. Uh, Let's jump into the mailbag because we're running out of time here. Uh, Fit Geek from Garrett, California, asks, what are your thoughts or ideas for the next few standalone Star Wars movies? What would you like to see explored? Um, And I'll answer this first. Honestly, uh, when they announced the idea of these standalone movies, I was hoping that these movies would be the, we'd get to see new characters and new stories in this galaxy that we love. And it seems like that's what they're doing with the with the saga films for the most part. We're seeing new characters and new stories. And the standalone films so far have kind of been like riffing off characters in situations we've heard about before. I, I, I kind of want to see more movies with original stories, original characters, original ideas. I want to see what they what I want to see them do what Marvel did, where they're taking different genres and you know putting them in the star wars universe the uh w- one thing i would i think I've, I've kind of joked about in the past and uh is i'd like to see a martin scorsese style gangster movie set in, in, in set inside the star wars universe and i think that could be a cool thing and it doesn't have to be job of the hut it could be a new entirely new character it doesn't have to involve boba fett or han solo you know it could just be a gangster film in the Star Wars universe. And I think we've never seen a sci-fi gangster film in that kind of way before. I could be wrong. I could be making that statement. And uh, one of you guys are going to prove me wrong in five, four, three, two. <laughs> now, uh, Jacob, what, what do you want to see in the Star Wars universe? 
or Star I'm Wars actually, uh, standalone films. I mean, uh, I'm actually inspired by an early scene in Rogue One. And it's not even an especially good scene in Rogue One, but it's one with potential. And that's the early scene where Diego Luna's rebel uh, spy is meeting with a contact in this bustling city. And stormtroopers are closing in, and he's forced to murder him so he doesn't give him information. And it's kind of a rushed scene. It doesn't quite play out the way I think it, they intended. But it reminded me a lot of... And, and that scene, by the way, was a reshoot. That was like a complete addition to the movie that wasn't oh. in there originally. So, yeah. I had no idea, but there, it reminded me a lot of a 1969 movie called Army of Shadows, directed by Jean-Pierre Melville. And it's a movie about the uh, underground resistance against the Nazis in occupied France during World War II. And what I like about it is that there's no big gun battle. It doesn't depict being a resistance fighter as being as carrying a machine gun and like running into rooms and shooting Nazis and gloriously waving a flag over a battlefield. It's a movie set entirely in dark rooms where people have whispered conversations and they're genuinely scared about what to do next. And I think a small thriller set on Coruscant during the original early days of the Galactic Civil War, uh, where there aren't any space battles. It's just how do we even form and navigate and even meet without being killed by stormtroopers? I, I, I think that if, if Star Wars is going to draw so many other ideas from big propagandic or propagandistic World War II movies, they should look to the World War II movies that have a more sober, level-headed, and terrifying view of what war is and maybe make something a little lower budget, maybe something aimed for maybe a little older of an audience, and see how it happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that Star Wars should get more experimental. I think that could be interesting. I don't think Disney is ready to do that at this point oh, in time. Never, never, ever, ever. Uh, you also have another idea. Yes. Uh, this one probably a bit more palatable, and that is, I want to see the earliest days of the Jedi Order. It's when we see the Jedis, or Jedi, in the prequel trilogy, they're essentially space UN, and they're really boring. They're, they they wander around hallways, and they talk about trade routes and treaties. <laughs> and that's not the Jedi that we get a picture of in the original trilogy. They get the warrior monks who are mystical and guardians. And I want to see I want to see somebody climb a thousand steps on an alien planet to find a Jedi meditating to request their help for some kind of um, conflict going across the galaxy. I don't want to see Space UN hold meetings. Yeah. So I, I, want, I want to see how a group of of religious monks became space UN. And I want to see that corruption uh, take place because we all know that space monks are cool in space UN. Uh, so would that, would this be kind of like the Knights of the Old Republic video game? Uh, maybe, but even then, I, I love that game. The Jedi are still presented as this totally have their act together, massive organization with bases and headquarters and leadership. And I want to see them as a religion. I want to see them, like to their bare bones, we worship the force. We, the force powers us, and we do good work. That's what I want to see. Almost like they're missionaries for the force, both both weapons. And I, that's how I pictured the Jedi growing up. I didn't picture, you know, giant mansions in Coruscant. I, I pictured spiritual leaders and wise spiritual advisors who only came when the call was necessary, not police. And they're police in the prequels. And that's always rubbed me the wrong way. I, I agree. Ben, you have an idea for a stormtrooper film. 
Yeah, so I think that was my favorite part of The Force Awakens, a movie that I really like. The idea of, you know, giving us an, some insight into Finn's character, a, a stormtrooper who, um, you know, switches sides, essentially. But I think in Star Wars lore, the stormtroopers have always been so faceless that you never really get a sense of who they are. And that's probably done on purpose, so we don't feel too bad for them when they get mowed down by Han Solo and everybody else. But I think um, creating a stormtrooper centric movie would go a long way toward retroactively, um, you know, giving us some more empathy for those characters in, you know, every time we watch a star Wars film that it would, it would sort of metaphorically put a face inside every one of those suits. If we had more characters like Finn um, and I, I doubt that they would do another stormtrooper kind of thing in the main saga since Finn is already such a main character. So yeah. I think if you just followed, you know, a small unit of stormtroopers, um, that would be kind of a cool movie. And then also it might uh, serve as what might be another idea or what could possibly work in, in the same idea, which is like a secret crossover with another Star Wars movie that nobody knows is coming until that moment happens in the film. I remember after uh, Cloverfield came out, Matt Reeves and J.J. Abrams were talking about, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we did um, a whole nother, you know, separate movie that is also handheld and it features a whole different group of, uh, you know, actors and, and characters that are running around during the same monster attack in New York City. And maybe they're on the bridge at the same time that the characters in the first Cloverfield movie were on the bridge and like their cameras cross for just a second and you see them and they pass and then they go their separate ways and the story continues. I want that kind of concept in a Star Wars movie that nobody knows is coming because think about how much, you know, the Star Wars nerds would lose their shit <laughs> if something like that happened. I think that would be a cool way where and it it has to be like a small thing. It can't be, you know, some of the references in Rogue yeah. One I was like, oh, God, this is just like, you know, I rolled my eyes at a lot of that stuff. Um, yeah, they were you're, just you're too looking, on the nose. You're looking for Dunkirk in the Star Wars universe, basically. Uh, I th I, yeah, I think so. And and keep the keep the crossover, you know, limited to like a moment. And then I think, you know, let everybody discover that organically and and don't uh, brand the movie ahead of time as, oh, this is a crossover. Just let it happen. And I think that would be something that would be pretty cool for the fans. Brad, you're always known for your unique picks on the mailbag. What did you come up with for Star Wars standalone movies? I didn't know that I was known for that, but interesting. Um, <laughs> so one of the things I would like to see is, and this is there's a chance that this uh, detail from the Star Wars original Star Wars trilogy could end up being part of the Han Solo movie, but I would like to see a movie centered around the Kessel Run, something in the same vein as Cannonball Run or It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, where you have this. I, I'm assuming the Kessel Run is some kind of race, some something like that, uh, which is why it's such a big deal that the Millennium Falcon completed it so fast, even though, as we all know, t Parsec is a measure of distance and not time. Um, but I would love to see some kind of cool space race movie where the – and it doesn't even have to involve the Millennium Falcon necessarily, but there are the, where you have a whole group of people who are competing in some kind of treasure hunt, race, what have you, across the galaxy – um, it could be dangerous. It could be fun. It could be it could be funny. I just think that would be really cool to see. I don't want to interrupt too quickly or too much, but there was a very recent Marvel Star Wars comic book miniseries about Han Solo participating in a race where 
the uh, it the cover is that he's racing to win and win the prize money, but he's actually transporting a rebel spy from one planet to another using the race to cover. So they actually could use that oh. as a um, no. as a source material if they wanted to. Y- yep, you, you don't think they'll. I'm sorry. You don't think that they'll use the Kessel Run in the Han Solo movie? I feel like they're going to show, you know, Han and Chewie meet. They're going to show how they got the Millennium Falcon. I feel like we're going to see them. Uh, we're going to see the Kessel Run in that movie because it it just seems like it's that type of movie. No, we totally could. But I'm just saying, like, yeah. what, what I would like to see. Happen. You'd like to see. OK. Yeah. And you also yeah. have an idea for a very different kind of Star Wars film. What is that? Yeah, there's. There's probably no way that Disney would ever do this. If anything, it's more of like an idea for a sketch that you would see on Robot Chicken or something like that. But I would love to see a This Is Spinal Tap style mockumentary following the Cantina Band. Uh, I just think it would be cool to give personality to Figurin Deanne and the modal nodes. Yes, that's the name of the Cantina Band. Yes, I know it. (laughs) Deal with it. Accept it. Move on. Um, It would be really fun. It's Star Wars doesn't do straight up comedies the closest they've come is letting robot chicken you know do star wars specials uh you know saturday night live sketches uh there was once going to be another star wars animated series that uh, ended up getting taken off the table once disney took over lucasfilm yeah that, star wars detours that, yeah seth green was working on that um but yeah it's, it's it's a it's totally an out there idea but i think some kind of cool mockumentary following the band as they tour the galaxy um it would it would be cool because you could create the opportunity for certain Star Wars characters to cross their path, maybe, um, you know, be at one of the concerts, be at a bar that they're playing at. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't know. I think that would be a fun idea. Well, those are all pretty good ideas. I don't think Disney is going to make any one of these ideas, but um, but they're out there. So if, if Disney wants to steal them, uh, they can. Uh, if you want to submit your questions for the mailbag, send them to peter at slashfilm.com. Please mention your name and general geographic location in case we mention the question on the air. We can't get to all questions, so I can't promise that your question will make it in the show. We've been getting a lot of great questions lately, and we're trying to get through the list. But please keep on submitting questions. Uh, we can find more of Brad on SlashFilm.com as Ethan Anderton, and he also runs a podcast called Go Flix Yourself, which you can find on iTunes. And you can find uh, Brad, where can we find you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Ethan underscore Anderton. And Ben Jacob, you can both find at SlashFilm.com. Ben, where can we find you on Twitter? At Ben Pears. And Jacob, where can we find you? At Jacob S. Hall. And you can find me at SlashFilm on Twitter. Uh, you can find more of all, everything we mentioned on SlashFilm.com. Links are in the show notes. You can subscribe to iTunes, uh, yeah, subscribe to SlashFilm Daily on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, and all the popular podcast apps. Please, if you like the show, go to iTunes, give us a review, rate us. Uh, That helps us a lot and spread the word. We will see you tomorrow.